Hey, I'm Debbie. And thanks for checking out this message today. We're glad you're here and we would love to get connected with you and your family. One easy way you can do that is to text River Connect to 97000. You can also visit our website at theriverchurch.cc to learn more about us and some upcoming events. Lastly, if you would like to give to the River Church today, you can text the amount you want to give to 84321, or you can head to our website and click the Give tab at the top of the page. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy today's message. If you have your Bible, phone, tablet, whatever, we're in Philippians chapter number two. This month, again, spending time looking at the statement of the church, who we are, what we believe, why we do what we do. We do this often because if you've been around a couple years, we need the reminder. And uh, the wonderful thing is I stand at the door and there are a lot of you. I have no clue who you are. And it's wonderful. I love when new people come and uh, it is a thing that happens all the time. And so we want to welcome you. Thank you for coming. Uh, We hope we're a church that loves you and points you to the love of Christ. And if we can help you, that's what what we want to do. But we take January to point to why we do what we do. And the way we do this is we study the word of God. We take, uh, we go to the one of the epistles, which means a letter to the church. So Paul writes a letter. He's an apostle, writes the letter to the church in Philippi and um, through the Holy Spirit gives them direction on what the church is supposed to look like. Now, Paul, we found uh, a couple weeks ago in, in Acts chapter 16, tells us the timeline on Paul's secondary, second missionary journey. This, uh, he was directed to go to Europe. So this is the first church in Europe that Paul started. He made another missionary journey there some time after. And we think around 10 years after his first mission there, as the church was started, he writes this letter in prison. And he writes them, loving them, caring them. It is a pastoral letter, giving them direction. And we believe the Lord has given us this letter to tell us what church is supposed to look like. In the first week, I started out in Philippians 127. And I think it's really the center of this letter, it says, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. And when you study that, it really points to let your citizenship. Paul later on says, we are citizens of heaven. See, when you went to Philippi, you would know they were a town under Rome's control. So Rome ruled. So when you went to Philippi, they would speak the language of Rome. Their names were Roman names. Their structure, how they lived, what they did. If you went to Philippi, you'd be like, I'm not in Rome, but I know what Rome looks like. And I believe Paul is saying, if we follow the Lord, church, if we know Jesus, we're not citizens of Rome. We're citizens of heaven. So when people come around the church, that's not the building, that's you and me, they should say, hey, I don't know what heaven sounds like, but I think it sounds like that. I, I, I think heaven would, that's the kind of love. That's the kind of kindness. That's the kind of care. I don't know what heaven smells like, but I think it smells a little bit like heaven. This is the church. And the first week I used the, uh, this term statement of faith. Which many times what we do is they're a church, they have a website. If you go to a church's website, someplace on there it'll say what we believe and there'll be the statement of faith. Any of you ever went to a website, clicked on the statement of faith button? Anybody ever done that? All right, two of you. All right, there were more at the 8 o'clock. I didn't know, I mean, I was surprised the 8 o'clock did, but the statement of faith. 
In the first week, I wanted you to know we're the statement of faith. What we believe, how we act, that's what the church is. And so we have to know what the Bible says. And we know that everything is wrapped around the gospel. As you read the book of Philippians, you'll see over and over again, it points back to the good news of Jesus Christ all the time, over and over again. And I hope that you are reading the book along with us. I really hope if this is your church, this is your home, every time you read Philippians is not just on Sunday. This month, I want you to read it with us because I want the word, of lo- the word of the Lord is alive. It's a powerful. It'll rock your world. And so reading God's word is so important. But as we read this, we see the purpose and the plan for the church. Again, I, I always like saying this because I think it's important. We did not come up with something clever to say, hey, we got this new plan for the church. It's going to skyrocket. No, we just read the Bible. The Bible says this is what the church is. Reach people with the gospel of Jesus. Gather together around the gospel to celebrate Jesus, to praise the Lord, and to draw near to his word and to grow in knowing who he is. This morning is the third step that we believe we're called to grow in the gospel, to grow in God's word. So that takes us to Philippians chapter 2. Verse 13, 12 and 13. It's where the Bible says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. This morning, we're going to talk about this statement, this truth, where the church is called to work out your salvation. If you'd like to highlight your Bible, I'd love for you to circle that. Work out your salvation. What does that mean? Now, for some of us, we've started um, putting words in there that aren't in there. Some of you read that and go, so I'm supposed to work for my salvation. No, that's not the wording. It doesn't say work for your salvation. It doesn't mean that. Now, it doesn't mean that, one, because when you read this and study it, it's not what it points to, but also we understand the Bible backs up the Bible. So when we read the Bible and we look to knowing the Lord as our Lord and Savior, that is not done through our good works. Paul even says this throughout the letter, just a little while in in chapter 3, verse 3, he says, we rely on what Jesus Christ has done for us. He says, we put no confidence in human effort. And at that time, people were saying, no, no, no. For you to truly be saved, to know the Lord, you need to do this and this and this and this. And he's saying, no, no, we don't put our trust in human, in ourselves. We don't put it in the law. We put it in what? The gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why in chapter 3, verse 9, it says that I become righteous. How? Through faith. In Christ Jesus is by putting our trust in the Lord. Listen, we are not saved by works. We are saved because God loves you and sent his son Jesus to this earth to die on the cross and to rise again. And that if we will believe, have faith in Christ, repent of our sins, he will save us and give us eternal life. So if it doesn't mean work for salvation, what does it mean? It means work out your salvation. Now, you know me. 
I always like pictures, and I want you to see this because I think this will help explain. Well, now I gotta go for a run. I'll be back. When I when I when you see this now, and hopefully this week, I, I want you to think about working out, but your salvation. See, there's this beautiful picture here that we need to draw that we need to grow stronger in our walk with God. We, we need to be disciplined. We need to strengthen. That's why this third part of who we are as a church is that we have to grow. That it's not just, uh, no, no, we need to work out. There's this focus. There's this effort. And hey, my walk with the Lord, it's not just, hey, I got saved and we're all good now. No, that's it. It's we got saved and now I am going to work out my salvation. I'm going to grow in him. So you're right. I got to take this to one more level. You're really going to wear this all gathering? I don't, maybe. It depends. I just get worried. Somebody's going to walk in late and go, okay, we're at the wrong place. Let's leave now. <laughs> to work out our salvation. This passage is so beautiful. Paul says, therefore. Now, again, therefore is this transition The rest of the book really is saying, hey, this is how you're called to live now. This is how you're called to grow. This is how you're called to strengthen yourself. He's already built the foundation of, hey, this is the church. This is how we stand against the the battles from the outside. And then Pastor Caleb, as he spoke last week, he said, this is how we're to stand and to love one another and to care for one another. And then you keep going through two and he says, hey, let me tell you the perfect example. It's Jesus. He humbled himself. He loved us. It tells how Christ came down. And then he says, therefore, my beloved, and, and, and before you, we move on to the next, my beloved, this is such pastoral care for the sheep in Philippi. He's not just saying, hey, you guys. He's going, you know, listen, my friends, those who I care for and I love, it's, it's a wonderful picture of what a pastor is called to be these days. Like now, like as I'm called the pastor, like to say, hey, I don't just come up here and preach on Sunday and go, I'll see you next Sunday. That's not pastoring. Pastoring is a care and a love to go, hey, you are who I care for. He says, my beloved. And then he says, hey, I want you, before I jump there, he says, you are doing what's right. Not only does he love them, he encourages them. And then he says, hey, just don't do these things when I'm there. Do them even more when I'm not there. I think it's a good little warning. I wonder if Paul was going, you know what? Some people, when I come around, they're like, yeah, oh yeah, we love the Lord. And then I leave and it's a different story. And Paul's like, it's not about me. It's not about the pastor, it's about Jesus. So he brings us to work out your salvation. Now this may be still confusing for you. You can think, well, I can grow stronger, but the word salvation, I don't, I don't quite understand how you work out yourself. What, what is that? When the Bible speaks of salvation, it, it, speaks, of, it speaks of it in three parts. See, there's the past of salvation. For those of us who have trusted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, 
There was a day in our life where we started that day lost. We started that day in darkness. We started that day we, di- we, didn't, we didn't know the Lord. And the Holy Spirit came, convicted our heart, and we confessed our sin. We, tr- we put our faith in Jesus. The Holy Spirit came in and saved us. That's salvation. But it's a picture, the, the Bible word is justification. That because of what Christ did, we received his righteousness. God now sees us as righteous, not because of what we do, but because of what Jesus did. And there's, a, there's this thought of salvation is a past thing. But salvation, which is awesome, is also a future thing. Meaning, the Lord's coming back and we will be saved. That the Lord will return, that one day we will spend eternity with God. The Bible term here is glorification. We will then move from here to be with the Lord eternally. So you have justification, you have glorification, but there is now this living salvation going on right now. The Bible uses the word sanctification. What it is, is that we have been justified, but now we work out our salvation to grow, to be more like Jesus. And this is what the Bible calls the church to do and to be. Okay, I gotta take this off, it's bugging me, all right? Now as we study this, if I've studied this, I find some very important things. See, Paul in chapter 3, he continues this thought about working out and running the race and kind of this athletic thought. In Philippians 3, he says, Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do Forgetting what lies behind me, and look at this word, and straining toward or forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. When you read this and Paul calls Christians, here's some things I want us to understand. Growing in Christ is not a casual thing. What I mean by that, it is not just a passively coasting along in our relationship with the Lord. That's not how the Bible describes it. It's not a, well, whatever, you know, the Lord is just going to move and flow and we're just, no. Here the Bible says, hey, you have to run after it. You, you strain to grow in the Lord. You work to grow in the Lord. It's not a casual matter. It is also Growing in the Lord, it's not casual. It's also, it's not quick. And this is really hard for us in this culture. Everything is quick. We have a microwave. We have Amazon. I need it in four hours. I'll be there. You order from Amazon, it may be here in three hours. Like, what, what do you want? It's here. You got a question, just ask Siri. She'll give you, you don't even have to go to a book. Who wants to open a book, right? Just ask Siri. She'll tell everything. We got fast food. Everything is right now. But our walk with the Lord, it's not a quick thing. As someone said it this way, it is a long obedience in the same direction. This is growing in the Lord. The call to continually grow in him. 
You get saved, it's not like, man, I got it all figured out, I'm good. We get saved, like, man, man, I got a lot to learn. Yes! And this is this working out our salvation to know him more, to grow in him, to see what his truth is. It's a long obedience in the same direction. In two weeks, uh, the first uh, uh, Sunday in February, it's family month. And so I came to the 8 o'clock gathering and I told them that um, on the first February, Sunday in February, I, I canceled the 8 o'clock gathering. They're all coming here. We're going to come together as a family. It's great. Now I told them, I'm like, this isn't like a trial run because we don't have enough room in here. It's going to be packed out. It's great. But I said, listen, here's what I love. The church, it's family. Let's all come together. Let's all be together. And I told them, I said, what's even going to be great is that you're going to have to come find a seat and you're going to have to sit next to somebody you don't know. It's wonderful. But to join together and we'll be packed out and I love it. It'll be great. We're doing it for one Sunday to go, hey, let's join together. But there's this beautiful thing I want you to see about the eight o'clock that there are many that they have walked a walk with the Lord for a long time. And same in you, same in here. You, you're consistent. You have lived it. And so this walk with the Lord, working out the salvation, we need to see it in each other. We need to see that walk. And some of us who are struggling going, I don't know what that looks like. You meet people in the church and they help show you what that looks like. But this working out our salvation is not casual. It's not quick. And here's the thing. It's not alone. This isn't putting on your headphones, going to the gym and go, I got this. I'm not going to talk to anybody. I'm going to do my own workout. A few commentaries that I read said the Greek here, when it says work out, that word out is actually a plural in the Greek. Now, I am no Greek scholar, don't pretend to be, but guys that I trust say, hey, it's plural because it's talking about a corporate workout. This is a group thing. This is where we gather together and working out our salvation is not, I'm going to go do it on my own. It's working out together and growing in the Lord together. Now, you may be here and say, listen, Pastor, I think you're taking this little workout thing a little, little too far. But let me read you other passages of Scripture that are, are the same, like 1 Corinthians 9.27. It says, but I, dis- but I discipline my body, keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. So what is he saying in this athletic term? He's saying, I discipline my body like an athlete training it. Because if I don't train it, I can become weak in areas. And those are areas that Satan will slide in. My flesh will, will fall. The world will overtake and I'll, I'll mess up. And so I have to train and discipline myself because I don't want to fall into that garbage. First Timothy 4, 7 says, have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. And that verse so explains working for your salvation. Work out your salvation. It holds value for life now. But we know our salvation is not in our works. It's in Christ And man, the future we have in Jesus, we so look forward to. So in all of this, to quote a book, we we don't 
have a passive or yielding or surrendering life with Christ. It's not just a, well, whatever's going to flow. We sing the song, Jesus, take the wheel. Like some of us, I think, they go, driving down 75, nope, the Lord has it. I'm going to let go. That's not a good idea. But in life, some of us go, well, whatever's going to happen is going to happen. That's not how the Bible teaches us. The Bible calls us to be wise and discerning. The Bible calls us to to fight for what is right. The Bible calls us to to live the life that we're going to be in a battle, that there's going to be outsiders. We've got to love one another. It's not just a whimsical whatever happens. That's not a relationship with God. So in the church, we're called to grow. The end of this verse says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. What I believe this to mean is that we work out our salvation focused on who God is. That God is holy and just and righteous, and that brings us to the God that we humbly come before, that we bow before, because he is good, he is righteous. And it brings us this fear and trembling. Now, I love what one author said, this fear is not being doomed or, or, or scared about torment or hopeless or dread. It's this reverence, a fear of holy concern that we give to God and we honor him, and we worship him. See, to work out our salvation, to, to, to work, to follow the Lord, that effort will grow weary real quick unless our eyes are on Jesus. Unless we're set on knowing who Jesus is and to go, your God, I'm not. And if our eyes get turned off of Christ, we'll run out of gas real quick. The alarm will go off. We'll hit snooze. The candy bar will look really good. Be like, nah, whatever. I'm going to do this. The workout will get really tiring really quick unless our eyes and our worship stay on him. And then verse 13, which I love and may sound confusing to you, but it says this. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Now you may go, hold on, I thought you said we work out. Is it God working or is it us working? Yes. Well, how do you say yes? Because the Bible says yes. We look here because of the Lord. Because of what the Lord has done. He opens our eyes. Because of the Lord does, we, we are awakened by God and we're dependent on God. One said we can work out our salvation because God is at work within us. Another author says it this way, the scripture makes no effort to rationally harmonize the two. It simply states both truths, saying in effect, on one hand, Sanctification is of the believer. And on the other hand, it is of God. And one said it this way, God's divine grace and power undergird the faithful and obedient efforts of believers. 
We cannot do it on our own. But the Lord tells us to fight for it and to work for it. So you may be asking, well, what are the exercises then to grow? I'm glad you asked. Let's look at them. Now, if you've been in church a while, some of you already have like your answers floating in your head. I know what it is, Pat. I know the answer. I know the exercise and how to grow. Read my Bible and pray. Reading Bible plus praying equals growth in the Lord. Now, this is true. Going to the Word and studying the Word as you read Philippians, go to 2.16. It says, hold firmly to the Word of life. Yes, to grow in the Lord, you grow in His Word. You hold on to His Word. You grow, you grow tighter to God's Word because you know Him and know His truth. Colossians 3.16, let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Yes, we let the word of Christ dwell in our hearts so that it changes us. Yes. And then as you keep reading Philippians, you'll get to chapter 4, verse 6. It says, be anxious for nothing, but in all things pray. We learn to turn to the Lord and trust in the Lord. But there is one exercise I want to focus on. Just one, because Paul points to it over and over again in this book. It's in verse 17, chapter 3, verse 17. It says, brothers, join in imitating me. Keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. Here the Bible says to grow, we have to learn from those who follow and act like Jesus. We have to have people in our lives who are examples of what the scripture says. Paul said it this way in 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. We need people in our life who are that example, who follow the Lord, and, and we as Christians, wherever we're at, we have people in our life to go, no, they're who I turn to. They point me, they direct me, they help me, they're mentoring me, they're discipling me, they're pointing me to the Lord. See, the truth is, We're losing good examples in our Christian culture. I think about the school, like Kettering, right around. How many of them have examples of what it looks like to follow the Lord? How many of them have, have parents that are showing them what love for their spouse actually looks like? How many of them have the example of, hey, this is what a father's love looks like because I want you to know what God's love looks like. In church, we have to fight to be examples. We, we have to fight to have examples in our life. To be people that practice what we preach. All right, not to belabor the workout thing, but if you go to like a workout place and there's like the person who leads the workout, 
you want to look at them and go, yeah, you believe what you're teaching. Right? You, you, yeah, I'm going to listen to this guy because what they say, it works. You look at them and go, yep, they know what it does. And they've got the information. And I want that information because they're, they're applying it. Even again in chapter 4 and verse 9, Paul says it this way. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. There's really two groups here. I'm going to wrap these up and we'll be done. Two groups here. He says, hey, the things that you have learned and received, I want you to mimic. What is Paul doing? Paul's saying, hey, when I came, I taught you things. I gave you the word of God. We studied together. These things I want you to apply and to live out. 2 Timothy 2.2, what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Yesterday, and I'm going to tell you a really silly story and you're going to look at me, many of you like, Pastor, you are a weird person. And I'll go, yeah, you're right. I was with my wife and my son and somehow we got to this where I said, wouldn't it be awesome if, if you took like 60 pillows and just stacked them all on top of you and just to be underneath that, like that would be, I know I'm weird. I don't know what to tell you. I'm like, wouldn't that? And my wife looked at me just like you're looking at me like, no, you're weird. Why would you ever do that? And all of a sudden my 13 year old son goes, oh, that would be awesome. I didn't have 60 pillows. So I just put like as many as I could. Like he's under there somewhere, right? And then a couple weeks ago, my wife and I were reminded of something. When I was in high school, uh, back in the 90s, M&Ms in the 90s said, you know what, we're going to put blue M&Ms back in, we're going to put them back in the bag. And there's a lot of you with blue colors on today. I mean, I don't know. I've never seen something like this from you guys, like the amount of lion stuff out there. All right. All right. Anyways, back to blue M&M's. So they put blue M&M's in. And I was just one of those kids. I'm like, nope. Everybody's like, blue M&M's? And people are talking about it. I'm like, no, no, everybody else is eating blue M&M's. Not me. And I would not eat one blue M&M. I'd eat around everything else. So we remembered this because my son, like two weeks ago, was given one of those prime drinks. Like they're the new like Gatorade thing. He's like, "Uh uh-uh, dad. Everybody drinks prime. Everybody likes prime. I ain't doing it. And I thought, you're as weird as I am. But I thought about those, just those little things like, he sees me. And, and to follow after that, here, if we're going to work out our salvation, we have to be determined to have examples in our life that will teach us how to follow the Lord, to learn and to grow. And that's why growth communities are so important. That's why I can think a list of, at 9.30, David teaching a class and Roger teaching a class and Roy teaching a class. And you can come tonight and we got a, a, a singles class here. We got youth here. You can come Tuesday, show up at the green apple, red apple, whatever that thing is in the morning. They have a Bible study. Gareth is teaching it. Wednesday night, Donna's teaching a singles Bible study. We got a bunch of women's Bible studies here. I, I, I can list over and over because it's so important Important, we learn and grow in God's word. Why? So we can work out our salvation. The things you've learned and received, and then Paul said this, the things you have heard and seen. 
And I love this because this wasn't so much the teaching, it was the living. He said, you know, I came, you guys saw how I lived. You saw how I acted when somebody cut in front of me in the Kroger line. Someone doesn't know how to drive in the snow last week. I mean, they just had no clue when they cut in front of me. Paul said, the things you've seen and heard. I think about Paul as he gathered with the chair. I know somebody probably sat in his chair, took his parking spot, drank the last cup of coffee. No, no, somebody punched him in the face. Somebody spit on him. Somebody who was his friend who said, yeah, we're in the gospel together started to say, no, Paul's a liar. He doesn't have a clue what he's talking about. And a friend betrays him. And he says, hey, hey, you know, you've seen how I've acted. And one said it this way. They saw his bravery. They saw him face trials. They saw his devotion, his prayer, his patient suffering, his resiliency. They saw his pattern of life. And it impacted them. When I was a little boy, five years old, six years old, I lived over off Pauline. We took a little bike ride, got to that hill right past Pierce on Hatchery Road, you know, where the, there used to be the, the, the horse farm right there. Now it's, you know, but there was a big hill right there, especially if you're six years old. I was with mom. We rode the bike to the top of the hill. And that was a big hill. And I remember mom went down first. All right, that's how you do it. Glad mom, thanks for showing me how to do that. And mom was at the bottom of the hill. And I was like, oh, I got this. And I began to go down that hill and I had everything under control. <laughs> and I still remember mom clotheslined me off of my bike. She just went, woof. And I was like, what are you doing? I was fine. And she goes, Tree. And I think about mom, right? She went out ahead of me. She showed me. And then there were times she had to give me tough love to protect me. Church, can I ask, who are you going with a bike ride with? We're turning into such a culture of isolation. It's not healthy. We think we can just, I'll just stay in my little small group. We need examples. We need to do life together. We need to care for one another. People need to see you love your spouse. They need to see you act in a way that's godly. And for some of you, that's pushing you to go, you know what? Yeah, I do need to start leading. Yep, I got a house and I got neighbors and we need to open up our house and start inviting people. Let's see if people will learn the word. Let's see them come into our house We need to be stretched because as the Bible says, to work out our salvation, we need those examples. So we're called to go on bike rides with people. And I know what you're thinking, Pastor, I am so far from perfect. I mess up. Paul wasn't perfect either. In the scripture, it tells us times when he messed up, time where he blows up and yells at some guy, and he's like, oh, that was wrong. I'm, I'm not perfect, right? I'm not perfect. M- my son sees I'm not perfect, but you know what else he sees? He sees a dad that goes, nope, son, I didn't do that right. 
So then I had to go to God and say, yeah, I repent, Lord, that was wrong. Tell you what, that's awful helpful. So we're a church, we're not perfect people, none of you are. Join the club. But we are called to have examples in our life that lead us and to be examples. The statement of faith, who we are, is we must be a church that works out our salvation. And so I praying, continue to pray that the Lord will convict us on how we can continue to grow in knowing him and how incredible he is. Will you stand with me, please? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this morning, your word. Lord, may we be a church that grows in you. We sure need your strength. We love you, Lord. We thank you in the name of Jesus, we pray.